that morning, I was supposed to be at work because I had worked all the way through. So I was supposed to be at work. So I called in sick while sitting in a labor and delivery suite with my baby down the hall. <laughs> You're going to do that a lot, Jen. So Jen's like literally <laughs> gaping her mouth open this entire interview. She's going to do this a lot. Because I haven't heard this story at all. No. Yeah. So you get this. And I don't know if Tisha's actually heard it. I know she's read it. I've posted it before as like right. a tribute to my daughter. But I don't know if you've actually ever heard the my my animated version of this story. <laughs> You're listening to Now What, a podcast where we celebrate the human spirit by sharing stories of strength and resilience. For those going through hard times or looking to get inspired to change their own life, we're your hosts, Jen and Tisha. Hi, and welcome back to Now What. I'm Jen. And I'm Tisha. Today, we are joined by Amanda Burke, who is somebody that I met uh, several years ago, actually, um, through doing artisan sales. Amanda is known for being sort of a community builder, and she runs all kinds of stuff. And everyone in our community either knows her or has met her or has heard of her or has met her, but they don't know what her name is. But everybody kind of knows who Amanda is. And over the years, I've learned that she is the queen of reinvention. You never know what you're going to get with Amanda. You never know what she's up to next. She's a lot of energy in a small package. And I knew that she had a story about her first pregnancy that really kind of helped shape who she was. And so I reached out to her when Jen and I were kind of in the early stages of developing the podcast. And I asked if she would be willing to come on and share that story with us. And we are so grateful that she has agreed and she's here with us now. Hi, Amanda. Hi, hi Amanda. girls. Hello, hello. Uh, yeah, hi. This hi. is me. I love that. It was a very lovely introduction. Thank you. She's so good at it. I might have her do all of them. <laughs> becoming my thing <laughs> mm -hmm. again like you find your you find your groove right you find the yeah. things that you're good at yeah exactly. so um yeah so I mean I'm here to talk about my story which started 18 and a half years ago um I have this face and an 18 year old and so it's very strange um because I'm often 18 in my own brain so it's kind of yeah. like how like I remember being getting older but yeah doesn't. <laughs> you know no doesn't feel no, like it. <laughs> it's very true like I mean I think back to like high school days and I was like was it really that long ago and like my daughter graduated last year right so it's like how oh, how do I have a kid this old but anyway <laughs> yeah yeah like I'm gonna be able to buy her beer in like four months she's Ooh. gonna be able to buy her own beer yeah she'll have something to do during the pandemic <laughs> during yeah the <laughs> she'll be able to do that with her dad I'm not a drinker but yes yes I think yeah. it serves to note that this is we're recording this while Ontario is in lockdown and it doesn't seem like anywhere else in the world is, or at least not mm. in North America. Yeah. So if there's pandemic references or lockdown references, that's where we're at. Yeah. Exactly. Yes, that is where we are. Stay at home uh, orders in effect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and more restrictions to come. Yay. <laughs> But we're not here to talk about COVID. No, what are we no. here to talk about, Amanda? No, no, we're here to talk about my daughter Amy and uh, my birth with my pregnancy and birth with her. Uh, yeah, like I said, it started 18 and a half years ago. Um, so in uh, January of 2002, um, my now husband and I moved in together. We were uh, we had only been dating like less than two years, and um, decided to move in together. And uh, about six days into our 
living arrangements, I took a pregnancy test and uh, came back positive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that should have been like, yay, look, it, we're starting a life together. And uh, that isn't what happened. It became more this like uh, hellscape of like feelings of uh, disappointing family and where was our life going to go and all of this stuff. So uh, we made a pact right then and there that we weren't telling anybody. And uh, that is exactly what happened. We spent over eight months not telling a single person. So I went to work every day. He went to work every day. We saw family. We saw friends. Trucked along. And on the evening of our, our move into our new apartment, um, our daughter decided that was her entry into the world. So we, um, we said goodbye to our last guest at about 1030 that night. And I, yeah. Who didn't so like, know you were pregnant? No, 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 no. Were so you like, showing? Mm, I have to ask. Sorry. I know. Right. So I kind of, I kind of just sort of swelled all over, like face got really big and like, uh, feet got really big. Like everything just kind of got big. Um, yep. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. I just people, and you know, when women gain weight, like nobody's going to be like, Hey, so, uh, you look like you're gaining a few pounds. Like nobody's going to say shit to you. So it's people like, do though. That's the thing people. <laughs> I mean, my dad I, sure would have. <laughs> right. Well, that's a funny, that's funny that you say that because, um, so instead of my father saying it to me, which is surprising, he said it to my mother. He said, you know, if she gets any bigger, she'll have to borrow your clothes. Ooh. So now we wonder why they're not together anymore. <laughs> Anyhow. Um, so yeah, so she, uh, so yeah, like, like, and literally everybody helped us move, like friends helped us move, family helped us move, whatever. So it's Last not game. like you went into hiding or didn't really, sp- you like, mm. I, you were like in your little, you could pretend you're in this happy love bubble and like not seeing anybody. You just, nope. did, you just kept going status quo, no changes, no changes worked. I was working full-time um, at Dominion. So now Metro. So uh, we were both working full-time there and um, yeah, like just did life stuff. Why can you tell us a little bit about why you decided you weren't telling people? Um, I guess, I mean, for me, like I was raised Catholic, right? So, you know, I was the, I was the good Catholic girl. Like I hadn't had sex until I met my husband. I didn't do drugs. I didn't drink. I didn't party. I was a girl guide. I was like the quintessential nerd. Um, not great at school, but just like geeky in other ways. I was a drama geek and all those kinds of things. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think just being raised with those values like that, you know, that was there intrinsically. And then, um, you know, when you're raised by parents, a parent who very much puts on the pressure of being a good girl and not disappointing and doing those things. So you just don't want to do things that are going to disappoint people. And so that's kind of where my brain went. Like, I just didn't want to disappoint people. Like here it was like, two, like I was with my guy for two years. We were, t- we were like living together for six days and I have the Royal fuck up of getting pregnant. Not that he didn't have anything to do with it. It's going to be all on me, right? I got pregnant. And so, yeah, we just, and I don't know. I mean, you'd have to ask him as to why he didn't ask, tell his parents. I I have, it's funny, like now that I'm actually saying these words out loud, I don't think I've ever asked him why he didn't think that it was necessary to tell them either. So yeah, we just kind of, it was just really sort of like 
it was literally in my brain. It was like from one moment to the next, it was like Pete on the stick, positive. We're telling no one. And that was, it. and that was, and that's what we did. And, and um, did you ever go to like the doctor or anything or? So that's, that is the moment where I just kind of like, I, I like to tell the superhero version of the story where I'm like, yay, I delivered my own baby and I'm super cool. But there is that darker side of it where I also didn't seek any kind of medical attention. So I literally had no idea what was going on inside of me at all at any point in eight and a half months. So, I mean, this like swelling all over, probably definitely preclamptic, if not eclamptic after, after time. And so, um, you know, like doing not so great things to myself. So that is definitely a, a moment. There's a couple of moments of regret. And that's one of them, obviously, that I put myself and her at really great risk. And so I don't recommend that to anybody. Go see a care <laughs> provider. Go see a care provider. Um, but yeah, I just, yeah, because I wasn't going to have this baby. I just wasn't. She was just going to like, I don't know, I guess fade off into the ether. I have no idea what I thought, but I wasn't going to have this baby. But if you didn't uh, talk about it, then you didn't have to deal with it. Yeah, pretty much. That's that's really what it was. I mean, we there wasn't a lot of talk about it, to be honest, like through that entire time, there wasn't a lot to talk about it. It was just like, we just went on with life. You know, we'd sit there and we'd watch movies and he'd go hang out with his friends and I'd go to my parents, like I'd go hang out at my parents' house. Like, you know, we just didn't ever really talk about it. Like what our plan, what our plan was like, what if we had this baby? What if we didn't, what if this baby died? Like there was literally no conversations at all. We had no, we had no plans. The baby just wasn't coming. That's all. <laughs> like, yeah she was just gonna like just you know flo- like i said float wasn't off gonna happen there yeah yeah okay. yeah <laughs> i mean i know i it's hard to like sit here and and understand that but then there's a part of me like when you were talking about um like people being disappointed in you and like having to deal with that i that uh i can understand feeling that way yeah i mean i was 22 right? It's not like, yeah. you know, working at a, working at a retail job. It's not, that wasn't going to be my life. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, we're these young, young kids, right. Cause most of our friends were off to university and college and doing that thing. And all of a sudden here we are, like, we're going to be parents. Like that's not where life was supposed to go, I guess. So yeah. not yet anyway. Right? No, I no, think not. so many young people find themselves and not just young people, but so many people find themselves in situations where they're pregnant and mm-hmm. they don't have a plan. It wasn't planned. It wasn't expected. Right. Right. So yep. yeah. And then it can be kind of like, I just not ready to deal with this right now. Yeah. I get yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not everybody, not everybody who gets pregnant is thrilled, right? Like yeah. There's all kinds of reasons why you're not ready, whether it's financial, whether you're not with the right person, whatever your life experiences are in the moment, like you just, you just might not just be there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you hope you get there eventually, but mm-hmm. it's, uh, which I mean, luckily we did. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, going back to that, why don't break? So you had guests over. Yeah. So like when you like went every- into labor. Yeah. I was probably in labor all day. Um, but I was like moving furniture and bringing in boxes and we were moving, it was moving day. And so, um, I, once the, you know, once our friends left, I just had this like really intense, like pain in the back of in my back, like in my tailbone. And so I was like, I'll just get in the shower or whatever. 
and the pain just wouldn't go away. So I phoned, um, I phoned telehealth and she was actually the first person I ever said, I'm pregnant. She's the first person. And she's like, well, you know, first baby, you got lots of time, no big deal. You know, where do you want to go? I said, probably East general. It's like 15 minutes from our house. We'll just go there. And she's like, okay. And so I hung up the phone and I told Greg uh, to call a cab because we were going to go and figure it out. <laughs> we're going to go have this baby, I guess. And um, I said, just hold on. I got to go to the bathroom before we, uh, we leave. And I sat down on the toilet and I felt the top of her head. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, yeah. I mean, you hadn't had a baby before. Like, did you no. know what you were feeling? Nope. No, no idea. None. I had like, I had never read a prenatal book. I mean, my parents taught um, natural family planning, like through the Catholic church. And I mean, so, I mean, I know, obviously knew where babies came from, but like I had no clue what was happening. And so I opened the bathroom door and I said, so, you know, that cab, um, could you make it an ambulance? And he's like, sorry, what? I'm like, the baby's coming. And he's like, uh, huh? And I was like, oh, for goodness sake, call 911. Yeah. <laughs> the baby's coming now. And uh, in my very Piscean uh, intellect, I looked at the tub and knew that's exactly where I needed to be. So I jumped in the bathtub. I got like, I don't know, maybe an inch of water in. And, um, and he got through to 911 pretty quick. So he was on the, on the phone with the operator and she said, are you still looking at the top of the head? And he's like, uh, I'm looking at a face. <sighs> yeah. And I went, uh, hold on. And I just, I pushed and whoop, out came this little, little, little tiny gray alien. Like yes. she literally looked like an alien. Yeah, they do. And yeah, yeah. She cried right away. She pinked up right away. Um, she told him to tie off the cord. She told Greg to tie off the cord with, with something. So he ran and grabbed my shoelaces of all the things to grab anyway. And um and because we had just literally just moved in hours before the, we had no, we didn't have a buzzer code to get in. So the paramedics wanted to break down like the apartment door, like in the, like lobby. the entire, yeah, the building door. And he's like, uh, can I go down there and meet them? And she's like, um, no. And I'm like, the baby's out. Just give me the phone. So there I was in the bathtub with a baby on my chest talking to the operator at 911. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and she's like, oh, what, like, is it a boy or a girl? And I said, I don't know. I'm just looking at her ears because I only got one. So I wanted to make sure she had two. That was really all that mattered. <laughs> and then I flipped her over and That's went. so interesting that your mind yeah. went there. I know. Like yeah. in that was, moment. Yeah. Didn't care if she was a boy or girl. Just wanted to make sure she had two ears. I don't know. So anyway, Greg came back with paramedics and they, uh, they brought the stretcher in and I'm said, what's that for? And they're like you. And I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I'll walk. And they're like, get on the stretcher, please. <laughs> uh, a cop showed up because he'd heard it over the radio and it was his birthday. And so then there was my poor husband whose father at that point was a 25 year veteran on the force, like a man who's on television when there's like fatal accidents and it's like, holy crap. Um, his aunt lived in our building. She was like a former matron with the Toronto police services. She used to watch lobby cam, like 
like a crazy person. So we were like, <laughs> yeah. So we're like, no sirens. This is like, everybody's cool. Please don't make a fuss, whatever. Cause we couldn't like, obviously we had to like sneak into the night with this baby. Right. So you didn't want anyone knowing. Mm-mm. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, my body shut down at that point, like obviously shock and, yeah. um, blood pressure was insanely high. And so the placenta just wasn't making its way. So they threw me on the stretcher, put Amy on my chest. Um, I had this tiny little, like, I mean, like literally like a dime sized oxygen mask that I was like holding near her face. And they threw me in an ambulance. It was my very first ambulance ride ever. And uh, I got to the hospital and they sent me to an, uh, an L and D room uh, labor and delivery. And then they sent her to the, the NICU um, for observation and obviously assessments and whatever. And so that was a wild ride because like, literally we came up off the street with this baby who's like, you could hold in two hands. Like she was super, super tiny. And so um, it was like just this barrage of questions and like, who are you and where did you come from? And how, like, are you homeless? Do you have, are you, do you have a drug problem? How, do you drink? And I was like, no, I just had a baby. I don't understand. So yeah, it was like, it was just like literally a swarm of faces and people yelling and it was kind of nuts for that night. And then everything kind of settled down. That sounds so overwhelming. Yeah. 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 I don't really have a, like, it's kind of, that memory's kind of foggy, but I just remember yeah. just a lot of people and a lot of panic. Uh, cause my blood pressure was ridiculously high, like dangerously high. And so they just wanted to make sure that I was gonna, they couldn't have me dying on the table. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> this like strange woman with a baby is like, no, 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 we got to like get her through this. So, I mean, like that went on. Um, and then that morning, so later, on that morning, I was supposed to be at work because I had worked all the way through. So I was supposed to be at work. So I called in sick while sitting in a labor and delivery suite with my baby down the hall. <laughs> You're going to do that a lot, Jen. So Jen's like literally <laughs> gaping her mouth open this entire interview. She's going to do this a lot. Because I haven't heard this story at all. No. Yeah. So you get this. And I don't know if Tisha's actually heard it. I know she's read it. I've posted it before as like right. a tribute to my daughter. But I don't know if you've actually ever heard the my my animated version of this story. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I, so I called work and I said, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call in sick. And then I called my mom because she was leaving for a vacation that night, that day. And I knew that she would call work and they would tell her I was sick. She'd call my house and wouldn't get an answer. And then she would panic. Cause this was 2002. So long With before the days that we yeah. The, yeah. Right. Like drug dealers carried them around. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and like maybe TV producers. I don't know. Like, I mean, not really a lot of people well, carried cell phones. The fact around. that his aunt watched lobby cam um, tells me that it's before Netflix. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. That was her. Ent- that was that was reality. TV. That, was a, like, that was reality TV at the time. <laughs> lobby cam. George went out with the dog again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I phoned my mom and I said, Hey mom, um, do you need me to feed the cats and water the plants while you're away? But so you didn't tell her where you were. No. Okay. Nope. Nope. I said, have a great holiday. So that is, that is that moment. Like if you could, if you could seize a moment in your life and say, could I, 
how could I do this over again? Mm -hmm. That would be that moment because everything that then happened like for the next 10 days would not have occurred because you would have had your mom. Yeah. I, yeah. Like life yeah. would have shut down and she would have ju jumped in and we would have figured it out long before we did figure it out. Right. Um, but maybe we needed it. I don't know. Maybe we needed to yeah. be able to make those decisions on our own um, rather than somebody sort of making those decisions for us. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So I wished her well and hung up the phone. And so all day long we had nurses coming in and we had social workers. And then eventually there was an adoption counselor on the floor that day. And so we had a conversation with her. And she's like, you need to go down and see your baby. And I said, please don't make me do that. And she's like, no, you really need to go down and see your baby. And I'm like, no, because I can't go to the humane society without wanting to adopt every animal that's in there. Mm -hmm. So please don't make me go down there and look and like hold the thing that I made and then turn my back. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I, um, I fought it for a long time. And she finally said, like, you really need to do this because you don't want you don't want your only memory to be of this literally like this little gray alien. Right. Mm -hmm. And so uh, so we went down there and uh, they picked up this three pounds, seven ounce. Baby in like these oversized PJs, like they literally had nothing that fit her and they put her in my arms. And I went, fuck. <laughs> Cause I loved her. Like I like that, like, yeah. yeah, I was like, oh no. And then they but wanted you us had to that instant bond. Yeah. 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 And I was like, damn it. Like this. And then they, and then they asked us to name her and I was like, oh my God, if you name it, then it belongs to you. Yeah. And so we batted around names and Greg's like, what about Amy? It's little and she's little. And I was like, oh, that's really cute. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, so that was it. So that was Amy. And, um, I got, I got discharged a few days later. Uh, no, sorry. A few, like maybe like a day later and she had to stay obviously because she was super, super tiny, but like doing everything. Like she was breathing on her own. She was suckling. Like she was, she was a regular baby, just really just super really tiny. tiny. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I went back to work like I had had her. And then I think like 48 hours later, I was back to work. And, and at uh, this point, oh. have you told anyone yet? Mm -mm. No. So, it's just so you're just you? going to go to work and pretend like this, nothing, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Nothing's going on. Nothing unusual. Right. And happened. at that point, had you, like you say, when you held her and you, na you named her and like that you were going to keep her, but like, had you actually said you were going to keep her at that point or was... No, we were yeah. still, we were still sort of deciding what we were going to do. Okay. Um, I went to the hospital every day, every day. Like, so I went to work and then I'd go up to the hospital mm -hmm. and I just sit there with her and I, I would have nurses coming in and her pediatrician would come in and people would sit with us, sit with me and they'd be like, are you sure? And I'm like, I can't, how am I supposed to bring her home? Like we live in a one bedroom apartment. We, I have a, you know, like I work for grocery retail like we've been together two years like no like I'm like my parent my parents aren't in any place to to help like my brothers at the time were 15 uh 10 and 8 and so 
like they weren't in any position to like my my mother was yeah my mother was definitely not in any mental position to help raise another baby I just kept saying no I said there's no way we can bring her home like there's just there's there's no way I I would love to but we can't how how are we going to do this and so um we had to sign over our parental rights because she had because she was being discharged and she wasn't coming home with us, we did have to sign over our parental rights so that she could go into foster care until a decision was made. So we did do that. Um, and then started the process, the adoption process. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you've ever spoken to a woman who's given her baby up for adoption. Um, I'm sure that my feelings are not dissimilar to theirs. Like it is an intense proposition to like give your child to someone else. So because we didn't really have any idea, like we didn't, I just wanted someone to love her. That was literally like when they were taking notes, I'm like, just someone who's going to love her. I don't care what nationality they are. I don't care where they live. I don't like none of this, like just as long as they're going to look after her. And so literally like we got to the lawyer's office and he grabbed a stack of files that was probably like three feet high. And he said, start. So families, yeah. So families, families put together these packages with like photos and stories and like who they are and why they'd be the best parents. And like, truth be told, my daughter was a gem in the, like in the for-profit adoption system. Like she, like a white, a white baby, a Brand girl baby. baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, let's be, let's be honest. Like she was, she was a gem to be had. So like literally like a stack three feet high and said, go start. So um, file number one was a couple who lived, I think they lived in like the Niagara escarpment, but they had adopted two years before. So I was like, all right, selfish assholes. Like <laughs> you got one, you don't need another one. Like, no. So I chucked them. I was like, no, that's not happening. Sorry. If you're listening, I'm sure you're lovely people. No, but um, I mean, you have this stack. You've got to rule people out somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Even well, though, because we, because we literally had no criteria. So yeah. I was like, yeah. Um, and then the next couple lived in the beaches. Now bear in mind, Greg and I lived at Dawes and Danforth and we worked at Victoria park and Danforth. So we were up, up, like upper, upper beaches. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, I can't risk running into my kid. So I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> bye. And then the third, the third couple, they were, I think they were like a year older than Greg. So they were like 25 and like, I can't even, their photos were ridiculous. Like she's in this like <laughs> slinky little dress and he's got like that. Okay, again, not to offend anybody, but like that, like Gino hair. Remember the Gino hair of the of the nineties and two thousands, like slicked right back and lots of hair product. Yeah, like super crispy, and like she, like she's draped on him, and they're draped on rocks and trees. And I'm like, who the fuck are these people? And I like chucked it, like literally, like threw it across the room. And I'm like, okay, full stop. We cannot continue until we tell our families, like. I can't do this anymore. Cause this was like, I think we're now at like day five or like day five, day six. And I'm like, I can't, I can't do this anymore until we talk to our families. And if they say go ahead, then we proceed, but I can't, I can't do this without 
with it because I, I can't live the rest of my life with this secret. No, yeah. I mean, that's a huge weight. I just, I, I'm having such a hard time wrapping my head around I'm sorry. that you're no, no, that you're five days postpartum and, and, and it's having the, to make these decisions and it's just the two of you. And, and like, that is just so much. Yeah. Yeah. Like there was postpartum, you've got like the hormones and all of that going too. like, yeah. you did just have a baby. Yeah. Plus all, like, like, yeah. Plus my and blood, your blood pressure, pressure was high. Yeah. 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 And, you know, so there was a moment where we were laying in bed one night and I said, you know, this really sucks. I'm like, if I, if we were 16, 17, still living at home, sure. Everybody be upset, but I could keep my baby. Right. Like, you know, your parent, like, I don't think my parents would have thrown me out, but you know, I probably could have kept my baby. Um, if we were like in our thirties and like had a house and car and better jobs, more established. Yeah. Nobody would question it. Right. Everybody would be like, yeah, you're having a baby. But because we were like early twenties, still kind of putzing around, you know, this one bedroom apartment and sort of like the Toronto's like upper East end, like, you know, all of a sudden now I can't keep my baby. I'm like, this really sucks. So yeah. So that day I was like, full stop, we're done. I gotta, I gotta tell somebody. So my parents were still on holiday at the time. And so we had, so Greg's parents were the first ones that we went and told, um, needless to say, they were not happy. Um, were they not happy that they hadn't been told prior or were they not happy about like that there was even a baby? Um, yeah, it's not so much the, like, it's not so much the not told. It was more like, what have you done? Like, like, what have you done? to your lives. So there was a big, big explosion. Um, a lot of, a lot of words, a lot of feelings. Um, and then I, my parents came home, I think the next day. So, um, but then they had a party to go to. So, and because I had younger brothers, I had to go baby, I had to go babysit them. So I showed up at my parents' house. They went off to a party. <laughs> I really wish we could like videotape this because Jen's reaction. Well, it is videotaped. Like... <laughs> Maybe we will release this one in video too. Because honestly, um, like Jen's Jen's reactions are like so great. Like, I mean, here I am 18 years beyond this story. And I mean, yeah. I've told this story oh, many, many, many times. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, it's, always, I, it's always amusing to me to see if, like people still like, what? Like just. Just that, that you know what? I think I just had a brutal postpartum experience, mm. kind of both times, really. Mm -hmm. Worse the first time, so like the words you're speaking, just even putting myself in that position, forgetting nobody else knowing, it just all feels unfathomable. Like, mm. how like you, you are now going to go babysit, that you were able to do all of these things. And so you were going to, you were going to go babysit. You told your, in, well, your future in-laws mm -hmm. and Amy was with a foster family at this point. She wasn't in the hospital uh, anymore. Yeah. I think she had been discharged at that point. Okay. Um, so my parents went off to their party, fast forward to the next night. So my father had been part of our, our moving process. He had had a baseball tournament. So he wasn't part of that moving process. So, so he hadn't seen our new apartment. So we had invited them to come and see the new apartment on August the 11th. So Amy was born on August 2nd. So now this is August 11th. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a brutal summer, but here we are windows closed 
doors closed because I'm like, if we tell anybody, oh God, like we're going to have the police here. Like my, like everyone's going to lose it. <laughs> so they show up and we give them the tour of our one bedroom apartment. Like here it is anyway. And so they're sitting over. there. Yeah. And so they're sitting there and my dad's talking about the vacation and he's talking about the party and Greg and I just kind of like keep looking at each other. And my mom went, do you, do you guys have something you want to say? And I was like, well, we had a baby. And my mom went, no, honey, you're having a baby. And I'm like, no, we had a baby. And then there's my dad. Where's the baby? <laughs> and I'm like, well, the baby's in foster care. And my mom's like, why is my grandchild in foster care? And I said, because we can't bring her, we can't bring the baby home. And she said, why not? I said, I don't know. Obviously we're not responsible enough. We can't, I can't do this. And she said, um, do you guys have a decent place to live? Yeah. You both have jobs? Yeah. You have friends and family that love you and that'll support you? I hope so. So why can't you bring this baby home? I don't know. And then she said, what kind of baby did we have? <laughs> An alien. Yeah. I said, uh, we had a girl. So at that point, Amy was the fourth generation of only daughters. So that was it. That sold it. That sold it for my mother. Like there was, sorry. Yeah. <sighs> I wasn't going like <laughs> Well, I, I just like, even you saying, I wasn't going to cry. Like we're not responsible enough. Like you didn't think you were good enough for her, mm -hmm. but clearly, right. Like I, I had screwed up that pregnancy so bad. And I had like, why, why did I deserve to like raise this human? Like, that's a huge responsibility. Not one. I think we ever think about when we get pregnant, like whether we literally have to commit our lives mm -hmm. to these humans, like every, like, you know, from birth to the, all of their physical needs that are necessary and then like to like raise emotionally developed people and send them out into the world and like I mean that's that's huge who I know, thinks about I, these things well no you don't think about these things but but not to get all like therapy or whatever but like that that you inst like it's like in that moment it's like even that moment where you said I, you know of course we can't keep her uh, you know, or we're not going to talk about this again. We're telling no one. You already were feeling like you weren't enough. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's just, I don't know, it's just such a common thing for women to feel mm -hmm. that way. And oh, yeah, for sure. And, and, and it like, it makes me want to go back there and like squeeze you and shake you. And, you know, like I just, yeah, I kind of, but hope your mom knew. Right? She knew. Mm -hmm. I well, I just kind of hope that by telling this story, there's like a woman or a girl or someone out there that will listen to this and realize, especially with how yours worked out, that they are enough. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that we don't have to have it all figured out right away, right? Never. Like never, right? really. Yeah. Like I was yeah. like, okay, well, you you have a decent place to live. Yeah, sure, it's one bedroom, but you've got a decent place. You both mm -hmm. have jobs. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Was that the reaction you were expecting from her? No, no, no. Um, 
because again, like my mother was dealing with her own mental health battles at that point, like years and years and years of mental health battles. And so, yeah, no, I wasn't going to burden her with more, um, you know, and I mean, I don't come from money. Like I'm, you know, I was raised in less than middle-class Scarborough and, you know, there wasn't a lot of money to be had. And, you know, so I was just like, I can't put that burden on them. And like, there's just a lot of, a lot of feelings. Right. So, so yeah, I was definitely not expecting her to then all of a sudden be like abducted by like some, I don't know, higher force and become this like director of my life. She was like, okay, so what do you, what do you think? Do you, do you want to bring this baby home? And we were like, uh, yeah, yeah, of course. And she's like, okay. And then literally it was like game plan. And that is exactly how the next day went. So it was like, Greg went to his parents and told his parents. Um, I went to work and told my bosses that I needed maternity leave. And they were like, <laughs> but yeah, I didn't can't even here. imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I walked in the office and they, they were both sit- sitting there and I'm like, Hey guys. And they're like, hi. And I'm like, uh, so I need to take Matt leave. And they're like, no, but you need to have a baby in order to do that. I'm like, I did 10 days ago. And they're like, no, no. I mean, like, and I'm like no, no, no. I don't, yeah. I'm like, I don't care. Figure it out. Send me the paperwork. I got to go. Cause I got to go pick up my kid like today. So like, bye. And so I walked out, <laughs> I literally walked out and then we went to like Valley village and Walmart and like every place imaginable to like buy clothes. Cause I mean, and again, like she, at that she's point teeny. she was like, Four, I think she was like four, four at that point. So she was like this teeny little thing. So we had to like find all these like preemie clothes and we had to buy like formula and diapers and all this stuff. And then we phoned the lawyers and had the paperwork signed back over to us. And then the last stop was the uh, foster family. So this foster family at that point had seen over 300 children through their doors. Um, yeah, they were like wow. that. They were career foster parents and they were heading to the cottage that weekend when they got the call. And so they put the cottage on hold and stayed and had Amy for the weekend. And um, Mrs. Collins put uh, Amy in my arms and she said, I knew this one was going home. Aww. So there's like a picture. I'll see if I can find it for you, but there's a picture of her. T- she's talking to us and I'm holding Amy and I'm looking up at her and we look so shell shocked. Like we're just like, <laughs> like, oh. and yeah. And then we brought her home and then we started calling people to say, Hey, so we had a baby and a lot of like, <laughs> what? Yeah. Huh? A lot of that. I bet. Yeah. yeah. I can't imagine getting that kind of a call. Yeah. Yeah, like friends, we'd pick up the phone and be like, like that night, hey. you know, you helped us move in. Yeah, I had a baby. I had a baby in, in the bathtub. <laughs> yep. Particularly that one friend, Tisha, that we all know. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Called him and said, Hey, stop. We had a baby. And he's like, Yeah. Huh? Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. <We're> like, pregnant? <laughs> yeah. Because again, we didn't, I didn't hide, right? I didn't hide away. Everybody saw me all the time. Yeah. And so it was like, you didn't pull a Kylie Jenner. You like were doing the things. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing all the things. So, um, yeah. So we brought home a little 10 day old Amy and I guess the rest is history. Like she's 18 and a half now, just graduated high school last, uh, June. And, uh, I, you know, just figuring herself out. She's uh, what did you call her, Tisha? What did you say that she was? You called her magical. She magical. Magical. She yeah. is magical. She's just really 
a special person. Yeah. She like, she's the kid that like all of my friends like, and I don't know. Yeah. Like, (laughs) like she's, she's cool. Like every, like she's, yeah, she's laid back. I mean, she's, you know, she's got her own anxieties and her own fears and her, like all of those things, like everybody else. But yeah, she's just like, she's a really cool kid. She's super creative. I, I hope she knows this story. Yeah. So we told her when she was 12. Yeah. I think she was 12 when we told her, Mm -hmm. um, big shock for her. Like it was a lot, like it took about three or four days for her to process it all, especially like that idea of like, we didn't want her. That is sort of, that's where her brain went, which, you know, is understandable. Um, But I definitely had to tell her that she was very, very, very wanted. Um, Just, we just didn't know what to do. Right. Scared. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that's it. Well, that's not it. That's That's not not it. it. Cause now you're, you have a baby that you weren't like really planning. Oh yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I mean, there's all of that too, but I feel like now, correct me if I'm wrong, you, from that experience, you ended up going into a line of work that I don't know, was inspired by that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I did sort of get the baby bug after that. So not like, Hey, I really want to go and get pregnant again, but it was like, I have all this, like this, I'm a, I'm a learner. Like I love, I love to learn. I don't care what it is. I would love to learn. So all of a sudden I was like, I need to know everything there is about babies and birth and like this thing that happens and pregnancy and all that stuff. And I had to channel it somewhere. So I was like, literally like watching, like, you know, remember, I don't know if you remember like in the early two thousands, but like TLC in like mid afternoon would just play birth story for like two hours. And so you could just sit there and watch like four different pregnancy stories. Well, first it was, I didn't know I was pregnant. There was that too. too, Yeah. (laughs) That was a fun show. Uh, But yeah, like those shows. Right. And so I just like sit there and just like devour it all. And I was like, okay, I need to channel this somewhere. So I thought about becoming a midwife. Um, But the schooling just wasn't going to be possible at that point. Cause again, I got a six month old. Right. So it was like "Mm, not going to happen. And so I left it for a bit. And then uh, maybe about two years later, the word doula sort of came up in my I don't know, somewhere in the ether, it sort of figured, found itself to me. And I started doing research and I was like, this could be something because at that point it was a weekend training. So you could take a weekend training and hang a shingle and become a doula. And so in 2005, that's what I did. I took a doula training and, um, I was a doula till I retired in 2012. Um, you know, I attended, I think over 50 births. Um, I taught, dozens and dozens of family childbirth education and hypnobirthing. And I created a team and um, yeah, it was, it's the cool world to be part of. It's different now. It's a little political and just not where I want to be, but it, uh, it definitely, it definitely speaks to all the skill sets that I have Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, she did channel that she did kind of an alive in that in me without her, I wouldn't, without Amy, I wouldn't, that isn't anything I was working in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, I was in, I was working in an insurance office as a, as an office administrator. Like I wasn't, yeah, it wasn't going to happen. So, um, so yeah, so I did that and then, uh, I've done a host of other things and met amazing people. I mean, I, I think I mentioned this in our pre-interview that like, I don't think we give our kids enough credit for the people that we meet, like not only like who we become as humans, 
but like the people that they like, cause they get, you know, they go to school and they go to activities and you meet all these like really amazing people who some of them become like your best friends and, you know, and There's whatever. Social and so- network broadens, right? Yeah. Yeah. Kids. Jen yeah. and I wouldn't know each other if not for our kids. Like that's how we know each yeah. other. Yeah. And for right? us, like we had no, like our friends were not having children at the time. Like we were the only ones with a baby. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was a transition too, right? Like that must to, have been really hard. Um, yeah, it was hard on our relationship, like for Greg and I, because he still wanted to be, he still wanted to be a guy, right? Like he was a young guy. early twenties. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And he still wanted to go out and he wanted to party and he wanted to, you know, spend the weekends spray painting walls and like, you know, yeah, he's a graffiti artist. So like he wanted to legally, you know, legally spray painting walls. folks. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. But, you know, like, yeah. So he wanted to do all of those things. And I'm like, but buddy, like we have like you can't just take off for the weekend and leave me here. I've already been here all day long with the baby. You can't just like. So there was a lot of there's a lot of tension because like mm-hmm. I was ready to grow up and like take on this thing of like, OK, I'm going to be a mom and we're going to do this thing and whatever. And he was still so I literally felt like I was pulling him along with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got there. I mean, here we are 21 years later and still together and three kids. And again, we sort of figured it out. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of how we live our life. We just sort of figure it out. I think we put too much pressure on ourselves to have it all figured out before we make decisions and before we do things. And I think part of the kind of adventure of this life is um, figuring it out. Nobody actually has it all figured out either, by the way, as an aside. (laughs) Nobody actually has it figured out. No one is crushing it. No one is crushing it. <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at social media, but that's the thing, right? If we you look curate at social media, everyone's crushing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're not. Sure. We're not. No, no one. Everyone is crying in, in a corner or like sitting in their closet, right? Especially like, these days. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, we've had, um, I don't know how many episodes we've recorded at this point, but it, it does seem to be something that's come up several times is just that idea of just, taking things one step at a time it has come up well and it's just not having it all figured out but just trying well and I think it speaks to the fact that there are so let's be real like this in in theory was something that you kind of had a little bit of control over it happening or not like whatever well however versus like some of the other situations we've had I think a mix of 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 different kinds of stories where mm-hmm. something happens in your life that you have no just, control over. Yeah. You have no control over. And some things, I mean, it's debatable to say like how much control we have over everything that happens in our lives anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm all over the place right now. Where I'm going with this is that it's inevitable in everybody's life. There's at least one thing that's going to happen where you're, and I think um, we have an episode again, not sure where it's going to air, but where you're going in one on one path in your life and this thing happens and you're forced on another one. Right. And everybody has that at some point in their life, whether it's because of a choice, whether it's just happens, whatever. And that other, like this one's lighted and nice and happy. And it's like all mapped out. And all planned and, out. Yeah. And the other one doesn't have a map and it's a little bit darker and it's a little bit like, oh, I don't know what I'm getting into down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I think the amazing thing is when you, you get pushed onto that path and you're able to kind of turn it into something. And, and I mean, you've, you've turned, you turned this thing that from the time you peed on that stick and we're like, nope, not telling anybody, not talking about it. When you went into work the day after you had the baby, like you still were like dealing with all of this, but you've turned it into clearly a beautiful life and with a magical daughter who I want to meet. Okay. <laughs> She's a little shy, but yes, you can, you can chill. I, I can understand that actually. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's true. It's your, your, you couldn't be more right. Right. Yeah. You can be more right about that sort of <laughs> that idea of like, either you're thrusted into making the choice or it trickles in and but either way, you have to make a choice either way. Right. And I mean, look at like, look at all like from, yeah, from that moment uh, in January of 2002 till August 11th, 2002, how many micro decisions I, I faced. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and any number of those could have turned into something completely different. And so the reason she's here today is because of that story. Like that is it like that, because anything else we wouldn't be here. She wouldn't be the person she is today. Right. Like, yeah. 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 Well, and then, and, and then even what came after, yes, all of the amazing people that you met, but you had, you, you had a whole career that, that, you know, came about that sounds like it was really impactful for you that for sure. Um, you you own that wouldn't have probably ever crossed your path had had it not you know like it's it's always had it not been for your personal experience right what's that like had it not been for your personal experience of having a home birth well Mm -hmm. unplanned um that's what kind of led you then to assist other people in having home birth because Uh, I only I only actually only ever attended one Oh. In my entire career as a doula, I only, only like- ever attended one home birth. The others were hospital births? Yes. But you yeah. were fascinated by um, labor and delivery. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I just like, I'm like, I could, yeah, every book I could get, every and show I, I could watch. Sometimes when we have these kind of traumatic experiences, which I would argue giving birth in a bathtub unassisted would be. Sure. Um we have to try to make sense of it. And sometimes like researching and learning everything we can is part of processing what happened to us and understanding it. Yeah. Cause I mean, I was never offered any kind of therapy or any kind of like, I, I think everybody just expected me to pick up and, and move on. Like, like you chose this so now go do this thing, go, go be a mom and go figure it out. You know, like my family doctor, very quickly kind of was like tasked my mother with being my guardian because clearly I wasn't in the right headspace to do this thing. So like my mother and I spent an entire year together, like every day she came and she picked me up and we went out and we did say like, until I guess there was some feeling that I had, I like the training wheels could come off and I could be okay. But that was it. Like, never did anybody suggest that I talk to anybody or get any sort of like. like, I mean, I think they don't. And and 
you know, Tisha said like all births are traumatic in, in some way and that's for sure. sure true. Um, but you know, we've talked to another woman who had like, nobody could look at her at, at Kaylee's birth story and say that it wasn't traumatic. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and she wasn't even referred for any kind of support or therapy. Yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty remarkable what we do to, uh, to women and families, right? Like yeah. you have, you do this thing, like, like this monumental thing, you bring another human into the world and then an L and D nurse hands you this tiny little human and says, good luck. Yeah. Like <laughs> what? So unless you're in a position where you can hire a postpartum doula or you've got family around or whatever, like, yeah, it's just you. And so like those, those times at three in the morning when you're <gasps> sitting there with your tit out and this baby who won't <laughs> stop crying. And like the reason why postpartum depression is so high, like I can't even imagine what's happening now. Like, so um, again, for our listeners, we are in a pandemic and uh, <laughs> for future <laughs> listeners um, and uh, yeah, like to be pregnant, to be with an infant right now and that you can't have family around or like you're waiting for them to be safe enough to, I, I, I don't even know. I don't even know how people are going to, how people are doing it. Yeah. I'm hearing about virtual doulas. That's what I'm hearing. I have a girlfriend who is kind of doing that um, back Mm. in the States, but yeah, it's a, it's a crazy time. And and it is crazy that you, well, I mean, I don't know, 2002, it's not crazy as crazy to me that you wouldn't be referred for anything because people aren't now number one, Yeah, but I think a lot has a lot in terms of like awareness of postpartum depression and mental health has kind of happened in those 18 years oh, yeah. right oh for sure yeah for sure. but but then so much I guess we're saying too still hasn't changed um mm-hmm. so what would you well what do you hope your daughter even took away from her birth story other than maybe leaving behind the fact that she wasn't wanted and that she was very much wanted, but like, and anybody else listening, whether it's, you know, a younger girl or, or anyone, what would you hope that somebody would take away from your story? I, I think you nailed it, Jen, when you said like that idea of being enough, right? Like you aren't, you aren't sort of like these like little minutia pieces, like you are a whole, right? And so to be sort of like more holistic with yourself and like, yeah, you're going to make mistakes and you're going to screw up and you're going to like, you're going to disappoint people. Um, and to like, be able to let that baggage go and say, you know what? I can't control how people see me, how they see, you know, how they see the situation, whatever. But you know, I can give myself some grace, I guess, and forgive myself. I I often talk about forgiveness being an internal act, like that you forgive yourself first, and then it becomes an outward projection. Right. And so like that, yeah, you forgive yourself for, for screwing up. Like, you know, did I, did I want to be pregnant at 22? Nope. But that's what the world gave me. Well, I was 21, but that's what the world gave me. Right. And so, and could you imagine your life any different at this point? No. And you wouldn't want to. No. But then I look at her and I'm like, wow, like I would like, she's 18 and a half. And it's like, you would be a mom in four years time. Like that's weird. That's super crazy, (laughs) but not going to happen, but yes. (laughs) Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So just, 
just forgive yourself and, and be graceful and with yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I just think that's, it is like being able to just give yourself grace and is so important, right? Mm-hmm. Just, and just to be able, like you're saying, like to accept that people make mistakes, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, not everything in life goes according to the plan, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the great plan. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, yeah. Totally. Um, I feel like, well, I think everyone we've talked to and will talk to, it's, that's kind of the theme of the show, right? Things don't go Mm -hmm. according to plan. Mm -hmm. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, it, that is, that is a special story. Um, (laughs) and you tell it very well. (laughs) Thank you. Um, but we really appreciate you sharing with us and coming to hang out with us. Yeah, this was so much fun. So my first podcast, I really, I really loved it. It was great. We love that. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Now What? If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it. And make sure to find us on Instagram at nowwhat underscore podcast. Until next time, we're Tisha and Jen. Remember, your hard times are the chance to write another chapter.